I'm Jasmine. I'm Alyssa. I'm Rhiannon. And this is Books Books Between Sisters. Yeah, for sure. I think we have at least a couple more weeks of warm weather, which is awesome. Hopefully. A lot of places now are bringing out, like, we went to Red Robin the other day, and they have a pumpkin spice milkshake. No. I was like, it's too soon. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They're pushing fall on us. Somebody the other day posted on, I think, Instagram that they already had Christmas decorations out. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what? I saw them at Costco today. Just a ton of Christmas decorations, a bunch of sweaters out. I yeah. was like, what is this? We are still in summer, people. Yeah. <laughs> it is August. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, I don't, me neither. I don't like being reminded of the cold weather to come. Yeah, same. But hopefully we'll get an extended summer because summer started kind of late for us. So mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. At least the next week or so is looking nice. So, yeah. See how long we can keep that going. And we'll see. Guys, up to anything fun this week? Um, I had my first official day for my job. Awesome. Wait, you did do your first job day? No, I'm about to do my first. Oh, okay. That's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Seems like a really, really nice place to work. Awesome. That's a good good thing to get a good vibe from mm-hmm. your new place you're going to work. Yep. Awesome. Plissa? Um, We're doing an ice cream social at work tomorrow. Ooh. That's going to be fun. Uh, what is it? Are you just trying to get people to come to your office? or? Yeah, it's for friends, um, family, clients. Um, just, yeah, basically kind of get people in, have some fun, and hopefully get some business from it. It's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah, we have a good turnout. So I think we're at like 40, 50 people, which is a lot more than wow. I had expected. <laughs> but yeah, so it'll be nice. Yeah, I wish I could come turn work. Me too. Next yeah. time. Yeah. Well, we went school shopping for Ashlyn this week. Whoa. I know. That's crazy. Scary. She'll be starting school in like three weeks. Yep. How are you feeling? Not ready. <laughs> That's okay, though. She'll do great. She's excited. She had her uh, last day of dance class today, her summer extravaganza. She did her little um, routine to uh, the Hawaii Five-O theme song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a new book that we're talking about this week. And it is Rhiannon's pick, The Couple Next Door by Sherry Lapena. Lapena? Lapena? Not sure how to say her name. I'm not sure either. It looks like Lapena. Lapena? Yeah. Hmm. Um, Rhiannon, 
since this is your book, kick us off. What'd you think about it so far? It was very interesting so far. Um, I liked, I liked the first half of it and I'm hoping that the second half will be just as good. Um, I'm really, really curious to see where they're going to go with the rest of the book because they've, they've put a lot of, um, what do you call it? They, a lot of information in the place that we stopped. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I really like it so far. Nice. Alyssa? Did you, um, have any early on, like, I like to call them shot in the dark theories from like early into the book? What were you thinking? Well, the book is called The Couple Next Door. So my immediate thought was, well, it has something to do with uh, the neighbors of the main characters, because I mean, why else would it be called the couple next door? Mm -hmm. um, but then when I started reading it a little bit more, I was like, well, it just says the couple next door. So what if it... The parents are the couple next door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what if it's actually the main characters? Let's, let's do a little introduction to the book really quick before we get in too deep into our theories. Um, we have our uh, main characters, Anne and Marco, and they start out, first chapter is them at the neighbor's house, Cynthia and Graham. And very quickly, we find out that they have a six month or Anne and Marco have a six month old baby that they left next door at their house because their babysitter wasn't able to come. And so they decided to still go to the neighbor's house. Uh, Cynthia, the wife of the, the neighbor, did not want any kids at the party. And so they decided to leave their six month old baby at their house, but have a baby monitor camera broken. So they weren't able to watch her just here for her. And right out the gate, I'm like, uh, uh, no, why, why would you do that? And they're drinking and getting pretty, you know, loose, you know, and, um, but they have a routine where they're checking on Cora is the name of the baby. They're checking on her every 30 minutes. And so... This is not enough. No. Well, yeah, the fact that she was left by herself. Um, and so they leave the party around 1.30ish. And the baby was last checked at around 1230ish. Mm -hmm. And when they get back to their house, the door is cracked open a bit. They run upstairs to the baby's room. And baby Cora is missing. Wow. Initial thoughts on that. For I mean, that was the first chapter. Yeah. First couple chapters. So Yeah, the the book gave you quite a bit of information early on. Um, so that's why I definitely knew the timing was gonna play into it because they kept going back to that and every 30 minutes were checking on her and they kept track of the time throughout like the first few chapters. So I definitely knew that was going to be a big factor. Um, so I actually had two like shot in the dark theories, um, from the information that they gave us early on. Um, my first one was that Marco and Cynthia were having an affair and I was thinking because they kept saying that Cynthia doesn't like kids and she didn't want kids at the party. And so I was thinking maybe she actually really does want to have kids and her and Marco 
are having an affair, so they came up with this plan so that they could run away together, but he didn't want to risk losing his child, so maybe... I was thinking that baby Cora was in the basement of um, Cynthia and Graham's house. Oh, snap. Because they had also mentioned that they were searching um, the the basement of Marco and um, Anne's house and that their houses were pretty similar. So when as soon as they mentioned the basement, I was like, oh, I think that's where she's at. And, um, so that was my, my first theory that, um, that, uh, Cynthia was actually jealous of Anne, that she had a kid. Maybe she couldn't have kids or something like that. I had a, the same theory. Similar theory. Uh, yeah. yeah. Similar. I didn't think that baby Cora was in the basement per se, but I did have the thought that they set that whole, you know, thing up so that Marco and Cynthia could run off together and have the baby. Yeah, I did not have that theory at all. <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of like, uh, I think that she's just flirting with him and it might turn into something like they, you know, she, uh, Marco cheats on her, but I didn't think the whole like running away or anything. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. Hmm. I didn't really have any like shot in the dark theories either. I just had a, a lot of like. Um, that's really interesting. And that kind of leads me to believe like the husband Marco has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually had a second theory. Um, and that was that actually Anne and Graham were having an affair. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's having an affair here. (laughs) Somebody's having an affair. Um, and I thought that because they were talking about they kept talking about how Marco and Cynthia were unaccounted for when they were out smoking cigarette. Um, but that was from Anne's perspective. So Anne and Graham were actually also unaccounted for during that time. Um, and so I was thinking that maybe they were in on it and that, um, she wasn't actually making small talk with him. They were going and they were um, going to basically similar plan as what I was saying with Marco and Cynthia is that they were going to take Cora and run away. So those were my first, those are my theories from the first like maybe 10 to 15 pages that I read from the information I had from that. Yeah. Well, they bring in, well, they call the police, obviously, when they realize that baby Cora is missing. And Detective Ros- Rosbach, That's how, how have you guys been saying it? it? Yeah, Rosbach. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Detective Rosbach is on the case. And very quickly, he, you know, you learn that his suspicions are definitely the parents. You, you know, um, I think there's a statistic he said, but. Like the majority of the time, it is the parents. I told you guys, there's always a, a statistic. <laughs> there's always a statistic. And um, and so they're doing all their things. Of They bring in some cadaver dogs to see if maybe the baby had died in the house. Maybe Anne accidentally dropped the baby, killed her, and then they're trying to cover it up. They don't find any proof of that. Um, but they do talk to a neighbor. And the neighbor says that she saw a car driving down like the way the house houses it's there's alleyways or the garage side of the houses where you can park your car so 
The neighbor said that she saw a car going down the alleyway about 1235 at night with the headlights off and like it was driving away from Marco and Anne's house or a house that would have been beyond it. So this gives Detective Rossbach a idea of how maybe Cora was taken. So um, even though the front door was left open, he was like, there was no proof of anybody walking up to the front door or any point of entry that way, but that it looked more like somebody backed up to the garage and then would have been handed the baby and then drove off with her. And the thing about the backyard too, is that there's a motion detector light and the bulb was loosened. So, yeah. Just to point out, because it's this is this was already pointed out earlier in the book. At twelve thirty, Marco was the last person to check on the baby, and he used the back doors. Yes. So, I was starting to suspect. Yeah, Marco has something to do do with this. Why? I don't know. But Rossbach is like very set on one of the parents has done this, but I guess to kind of round us out to where we are at the point of the book, we have found out that Marco did indeed set up this whole arrangement. The reason being is that we find out that Anne's parents are very wealthy, very wealthy, like billionaires maybe is what it kind of seemed like. Well, her mom is. Her mom mom. (laughs) is. And, um, so Marco has his own business. It's starting to fail a little bit, having some issues with money. And so, which he also got money for, from the parents to start the business. business. Yeah. Yeah. So why he doesn't feel comfortable asking them, maybe because he feels like he's asked for too much money so far, but, um, why he has to arrange for his baby to get kidnapped and you know, paid for a ransom for, I don't know. But that's what we find out is that he has a person and I don't really know the relationship with this person either. They didn't really explain that. Kind of seemed like he was almost like a complete stranger that he like, that's what it seemed like. Yeah. Like, Hey, are you willing to do this? I'll cut you in. Yeah. And, um, so basically what happened is exactly as detective Rossbach thinks and detective Rossbach doesn't know yet. We just are seeing from Marco's point of view, um, him talk, you know, talking or thinking this basically is that at 1230, when he checked on Cora, that guy came, he gave Cora to, to him and then they were, he was supposed to follow up with asking for a ransom and he was freaking out during this whole time after Cora was kidnapped thinking Uh uh-oh, is she going to actually get hurt because he didn't hear from that guy when he was supposed to. And then finally he does hear from the, the, you know, both him and Anne get a note from the kidnapper asking for a ransom. And so Marco's like, okay, cool. We're still good. And so he is like, you know, I'll take care of it by myself. No police should be involved. He asked for no police to be involved. I should be the one to go do this money exchange and get Cora back. So he drives out to go do that. And their plan is that, you know, Cora is going to be left in the middle of a warehouse. He's going to do the money exchange and they're going to be all good. 
But when he walks into the warehouse, there is a, you know, a car seat, but no baby Cora. And he gets hit from behind, knocked out, and the money is stolen. And he doesn't get the baby back. So that's where we left off. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I bet you wish that uh, Richard called the police now, didn't you, Marco? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, who... I don't know. I just, I can't imagine that level of desperation for money to get my kid kidnapped yeah. and arrange with it seemingly a total stranger mm-hmm. to, you know, make this exchange so that you come out with some money from your in-laws. Honestly, it had to do with the fact that Marco didn't want to put his pride aside because he could have actually went to the in-laws and asked, told them the situation. First of all, they would have helped him out, especially because it had to do directly with Anne if this business failed. But he didn't want to go back to them because, first of all, he's already indebted to them because of the business startup. Um, we find out that um, Alyssa's the- stomach. <laughs> a long day (laughs) (laughs) um we find out that the parents bought mark and uh, marco and 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 house as a wedding present so he already feels indebted to them for that so it's a very much like i don't want to be indebted to them anymore but the fact that he was like so desperate to not go to them that he used his child to a complete stranger yeah, is like, that's definitely, that was prideful. He could have definitely put his pride aside and just went to and explained the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And we learned, you know, throughout the first half of this book as well, that uh, Marco does not have a good relationship with Anne's parents um, and stepfather. They just clash big time. But I still, like you were saying, I still think it's funny because they have helped so much in Anne and Marco's lives that why this time did he not want to ask for more money or help? Yeah. And put his child's life in danger. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but we learned this already halfway through the book. So I'm thinking, yeah, Marco's the one that set this all up, but I think Anne had her own thing on the side happening as well. And I don't know what it is yet. But I think we're going to learn more about Anne in the second half and maybe a side deal that she has going on. Maybe she became aware of this. Why as a mother, you would allow that to still happen. I don't know, but we still have a lot more book to go. And I think Anne has some, well, we learn in the synopsis that they both have some secrets that they're keeping from each other. So something, Anne's got something going on. I almost wondered about Richard for a minute just because they were making it very clear that the money was not his. It was Anne's mother's money. Um, And so I was thinking, oh, maybe Richard was the one who put this whole thing together because he wanted to maybe there is a prenup or something. So he knew if he just left her, he wasn't getting anything. Um, But. I don't know. Maybe something like that will play into it still, too, I guess. Um, But yeah, I definitely feel like we're going to learn a lot more about Anne. Um, We've already learned quite a bit about her, though. Um, She definitely has some 
issues going on from childhood with um her uh her she was having some i think trouble with her classmates she was being bullied she was being bullied yeah and um just ended up having enough of it one day and started basically choking one of the girls and or she didn't choke well she did she grabbed her by the throat yeah and she like pushed her really hard against the wall and the girl ended up having to go to the hospital i thought it was interesting when they um when roshbach (laughs) interviewed one of the girls um she was saying that she was crying and was saying like she was so sorry like she felt like really remorseful over the fact of bullying her and she didn't really like I don't know I I guess I was just more expecting her to be upset about the whole incident and what happened and just kind of speak badly about Anne but she didn't she was just like she was such a nice girl and um we were so mean to her and um she was just yeah she was crying about it so I thought that was kind of an interesting part of the book yeah and there's a reason they're mentioning it mm-hmm. i mean there's it, there's gotta be yeah so it'll be yeah it'll be very interesting to see how the book ends well even her mom Anne's mom mentions that um she says her father was protective of Anne, and then she says sometimes i wonder if it was right for us to keep things from him when you were younger so I wonder if she is just talking about that incident or if maybe there is other stuff that was going on with Anne when she was younger that they hid from her father. Okay, hear me out. What if Anne is not happy with Marco? Her parents already don't like Marco. So what if all three of them are in on it, <laughs> leaving Marco out in the in the dust? But for what purpose, though? I don't know. He doesn't. It's have a loose anything. theory. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what we have going on with this book so far. I want to know though with the neighbors, because like you said, Rhiannon, I think that the title of the book, I think that that's pointing at Mark and Marco and Anne being the couple next door. However. We have a little insight into Cynthia and Graham a little ways into the book where um, Cynthia gets questioned by Detective Ross Bach and he asks her like, you know, what were you and Marco doing out on the porch? And she mentions that Marco came on to her, started kissing her and putting his hand on her leg and things and but that was it. Like she, you know, pushed him off, ended it pretty quickly. And that was that. When Detective Rossbach asked Marco about that, Marco's like, no, that's not what happened at all. She came on to me. She was kissing me. She put my hand on her leg. And so it's kind of like a he said, she said thing. But then we get Cynthia's, pers- you know, point of view a little bit after that. And Cynthia's talking to Graham about, yeah, she was the one that came on to Marco, and they have some kind of weird thing that they do. <laughs> like, they have a video camera pointing to that back porch, and she was trying to get him to, you know, go further with it. And... Yeah, really weird. Graham just likes to watch. I don't know. Yeah. So, 
I don't know if that has anything to do with later on in the book or if that was just a weird little thing thrown in there, but... I think it might have something to do with it only because it's pointed to their backyard. And so I think that because of how close their houses are together, they would be able to see things in Marco and Anne's backyard. Yeah. So I think that they'll... Maybe they brought that up because that because they didn't further it anymore. So I'm curious to see if that will come back up where they actually will go to the police and they'll look at the tape and find something, catch something. Yeah, could be. I was kind of wondering, though, like, why she lied about it? Like, are you guys ashamed that that's your arrangement? Or because they seem pretty comfortable with that arangement that they had. But I'm like, why did you lie to the police about it? Especially if you have a camera. Like, well, it, why wouldn't you tell them that? It sounds like they don't tell the people involved in these things that they're being recorded. So that's an so issue. So was she just nervous that they were going to find out then? Maybe. Yes. So I don't know. It's I'm weird. Like, that's it's a weird kind thing. Of a, I mean, it's not illegal. So it's kind of weird that you withheld information from the police just to hide that. I really don't know. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they are ashamed of it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a... I don't think they're ashamed of it. I just... I don't know. They. I mean, that. maybe that's just not something you come out and be like, hey, this is what we do, you know? So, Yeah. you know, it's kind of incentive to keep it to themselves. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but... Let's go ahead and take a quick little break here, and we will be back in just a minute to further our discussion. Welcome back. So, Ree, give us some more information about your book that you've picked. All right. Well, first of all, there is a few words that I had to look up like you do in the last one. I could not find any words. I was looking really? and I was like, mm, there's nothing really standing out to me for words. I'm not good with vocabulary. So there's a lot of words I have to look up sometimes. Um, well, you used a word earlier when we were kind of, you know, lightly discussing this book saying that their neighbor Graham is a voyeur. Yes. Yeah. And you have some explaining to do. <laughs> Where do, you, where do you learn that word? Alyssa's, that's a word Alyssa would have skipped if it was in the book. <laughs> um, I have learned it from... Uh, she just knows, okay? Yeah, I just know Alyssa. <laughs> there um, is a, actually a restaurant downtown Olympia called The Voyeur. Le really? Voyeur. The Voyeur? The Voyeur? I don't know. Gross. But I don't think it's like always in a you know, bad way necessarily. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. I actually went on Google today and I was like, <laughs> what, what is it called when somebody likes to watch other people? <laughs> and it was like, that was a dangerous Google search. I, I was like, wow, you're brave. Oh boy. That's, hmm. I just don't click on pictures because that's where it gets really bad. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, I knew it was a term from other things that I've like heard in the past, but like, yeah, I basically just looked it up. Hmm. Okay. What were your words that were in the book? <laughs> <laughs> so one of them was, 
I think it's pronounced ostensibly. Oh, ostensibly. Ostensibly. Um, I didn't know what that word was. I looked it up. It means apparently or uh, purportedly. What? How are you going to explain a hard word with another hard word? <laughs> it's funny because I was like, I don't know what that word is. So I looked up that word. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that word means as appears or is stated to be true, though not necessarily so. So allegedly. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember the sentence that it was used in the book? Um, it had something to do with Detective Roshbach. He had said ostensibly about something about leaving. Oh, it was about leaving the uh, um, Cora at home. And he said, well, we know that, you know, ostensibly. Okay. And he was basically saying allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. When he really could have just said allegedly. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, he didn't, so I had to look it up. <laughs> it's the beauty of language, Alyssa. No. Variety. And then there was another one. Um, it didn't say it like this, but the words were basically baby colic. Yeah, so colic is where a baby cries a lot. Um, it's very... Fuss, I don't know if fussy necessarily, but yeah, just constantly crying. Yeah. Yeah. I had no, I had no idea what that was, that it had a actual word to it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I looked that up too. Thankfully, Ashlyn was not colicky. That wasn't good. fussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alyssa. This is why you have us. So we can look up all these hard words for you. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, the words that I looked words up. Words of the day. Thank you for, for taking us there, Free, because <laughs> I feel like, I mean, those are tough words. I just feel like I've seen them before, so maybe I just didn't think about it as much, but you I like it. Breeze past them. Ostensibly, that's our word of the day, and colic. If you guys start saying those words when I'm talking to you, <laughs> I will walk away. Liz <laughs> is going to start tuning us out. Um, also, I looked into uh, a couple of things that Detective Roshbach had said. So he had mentioned at one point uh, the Lindbergh kidnapping case because he had been sus talking to Marco and suspecting that he had something to do with it. He did with uh, Anne as well. Actually, a couple of times he pointed out um, if they are not, you know, in on this, then they're really good actors. Yeah. I feel like towards the half of the book that we've read, towards the end of that half, I think he has been moving off of Anne so much, just with the way that she's reacting to things and just more of that concerned mom. Whereas Marco, there's a couple of times he's mentioned, you know, his face was blank. Mm -hmm. You know, he shows some emotion. His hands are really shaky. But I feel like he is definitely having a stronger suspicion of Marco than of Anne at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but yeah, the, the Lindbergh kidnapping case, I had to look that up because I didn't know what that was. But apparently that was about a 20-month-year-old um, boy who was kidnapped from Charles Lindbergh and Anne Spencer Morrow. On March 1st, 1932, um, they also offered up, 
Yeah, it's it's a bit older. Um, they offered up a, um, a ransom of $50,000, um, but then their uh, son ended up showing up dead um, May 12th, 1932, about 4.5 miles from the parents' home. Oh, no, that's not good news for maybe Cora, because it sounds very similar. Hopefully it's not following that. I hope not either, because... Um, so basically what had happened was, uh, they suspected this guy named Bruno Richard Hauptman, I think that's how you say his last name. Um, and they caught him because he was making a purchase with a gold certificate, which was included in the ransom. Um, and he also had, uh, wood in his attic that matched, uh, the ladder's wood that they thought he, uh, that was at the parents' home. Um, that he had climbed up to kidnap the son. Um, he kept on denying that he was uh, not guilty until he actually uh, died in April of 1936 by an electric chair because they found him guilty. And he still didn't admit it? Nope. He went up to that. They wow. even offered to reduce his sentence to life in prison without parole in exchange for a confession. And he said no, because he's not guilty. Interesting. Um, so a lot of people after that um, had basically thought that he was never a suspect, but it was actually Charles Lindbergh, the father, who had killed <gasps> the son. Yeah. So how do you find that out? How did they? How did that come about? There was an author. Um, her last name was Perlman, and she had basically written theories about how. Um, it was the father because he was in the uh, scientific and research area. Um, and there was someone named Carol who had been helping along uh, research about um, basically things with um, medical conditions. Um, and Charles' sister-in-law had heart problems. And for research purposes, this Carol person had um, experiments with uh, different things with um, the um, human organs continuing on without um, a human body. Um, but she needed parts yeah. or like organs. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So the uh, theory is basically that the father had purposely killed his son. And, um, he did it because they, he first of all, didn't like his son. Um, he felt he's he probably colicky. He, <laughs> sorry, Lisa. <laughs> it's not funny. He felt he was a weakling and both, um, Charles and this Carol person were both eugenics. I think that's how you say it. Did you look that word up? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it was actually in, in the article. Um, that's the study of how to arrange reproduction to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable and believed weak infants. They both uh, Charles and Carol believed weak infants were meant to die. So sad. What the heck? Yeah. Are there infants that aren't weak? I don't understand that <laughs> maybe they meant like sickly i don't know he needed a buff baby <laughs> i'm so confused 
Um, wait, so you're saying theory, but did they, did he confess? Not that I know of. No, I so only just did a little, yeah. Okay. A little bit of research. I may have gotten some of it wrong, so I apologize if I have. Um, but that was basically what I had um, done research on just on like a couple of articles that I skimmed. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I figured that they would probably point that out for some reason. It sounds eerily similar to the book so far. I mean, definitely not the organ stuff, but the fact that there's a theory of it being the father is interesting. So hopefully that's not bad news for baby Cora. Yeah. I mean, it does seem different in the way of he has expressed that he loves his daughter and that he wants to get her back. So hopefully that's not the case um, unless it somehow switches up and Anne maybe with her uh, mental health issues. Yeah, which that's going to be interesting, but I just really do hope that somehow this doesn't end badly for, for the baby. But I don't know. I mean, there's no skin in the game now for the person that Marco handed the baby off to. He's got the money, uh, quite significant. I think was it fifty million? I think I think it was just five million. Five million. I thought it was fifteen mil. <laughs> We're all. <laughs> duh. It was a lot of money <laughs> in the millions, and so now it's just like, you know, maybe this person that he teamed up with isn't that bad. And you know, he's a bad guy, obviously, but not maybe that bad of a guy. So Well, honestly, the only reason I can think about him not handing over the baby at the moment is because he wants, A, he either wants more money or he actually did something to baby Cora. Yeah. Like something went wrong, maybe. Yeah. Because be. he could have easily still put, you know, her in the crib and he could have like, you know, had her, but still like whacked him beside the head, you know, right. and then grabbed the money and then left. Yeah. Or what if the guy that Marco was teamed up with had a big mouth, told somebody about the plan, and they killed him, and they came and stole the money? That's a good theory. Yeah. I don't know. I really do think Anne is... I don't know. We got to read the next half of this book. There's so many ways that this can go, especially with how early on we're finding out, you know, what what the intention was behind this whole thing. I want to say though, I called that it was Marco right before they, they said it was Marco. (laughs) And the reason why is because when they got the baby onesie in the mail, um, and they were talking about setting up a time to, or are going to meet with, um, the person who sent it. He said that we have to do it his way. And how would he know that the person who sent it was a man? Man, yeah. He kept saying his and him. We have to do what he says. And instead of saying, oh, we have to do what they say or they won't. Yeah. He specifically said him. Yeah, I feel that. And you were obviously right. But I feel like sometimes, too, you can assign like... He did the, you know, you just kind of get in your head who you think did it or like, you know, it it was a man, you know, that would do something like this, not a woman. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, honestly, I would think that it would be more so a woman who would steal a baby than a man. That's why would a man want a child? I don't know. Well, yeah, for ransom. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because throughout the entire book, they gave hints that it was Marco. Because they, it was Marco who basically brought out that, well, maybe the baby, baby Cora got stolen for a ransom. He was the one that first brought that out. He was also the first person who was like, well, maybe we should give him more money for ransom. Maybe three or four million. Mm-hmm. He was the one who brought that out. Yeah, that's true. Oh, the other reason why I thought that maybe the guy he partnered with is possibly dead is because he hasn't talked to him. Since they made their arrangements, he won't answer his phone. Yeah. And it took forever for him to actually um, send the, well, he was supposed to call and demand the money and he didn't call and demand the money. It came in the mail. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering if maybe it's a different person. Maybe possibly like you were saying, maybe Anne hired somebody or some, or for some reason the guy was blabbing, somehow it got out. I don't know that it's actually the same guy that he partnered with that has Cora. It's an interesting theory. Maybe Anne blacked out and killed him. N- no, they made it pretty clear that Anne was back at home. With no, her like parents. beforehand. Oh, <laughs> I don't Maybe, know. I don't know. They kind of made it seem that she's just now starting to be kind of suspicious of Marco. Yeah, they do in the chapter right before we, you know are clued in on Marco's whole plan and him going to do this exchange. Um, and decides that he's hiding something. Mm-hmm. And so she starts looking through all of his dresser drawers to, you know, she's like, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know I'm going to find something. And that ended that chapter. Then we had the chapter about, you know, Marco doing this whole exchange, getting hit over the head, money stolen and that's where we stopped. So we don't know yet if Anne finds something. I almost kind of wonder if she does because they were also talking about um, when he was about to leave to go take the money. Um, she just out of nowhere stood up and was like, I'm going too." And he said the way that she looked at him, he's like, does she know? Yeah. So maybe she did find something. Who knows? Like. I have a feeling that she did find something. I don't know if maybe, maybe it could be something that's not related to this whole situation because um, the book does say that they were both keeping secrets. So maybe he has more secrets than just this. And she obviously has secrets that we don't know about yet. But yeah, I think I, I just have a feeling she found something. That'll be really interesting. One thing I thought was interesting too that may play a role in the end of the book is the very Marco was the one that gave a description of Cora at the very beginning to the police. He said that she was taken wearing, wearing a pink onesie. Um, she's blonde and blue eyes, but the pink onesie becomes an issue because they end the police end up finding the pink onesie underneath the changing mat, uh, on the crib. And Anne was like, I swear that I thought it was, you know, the pink onesie she was wearing. But now I remember that I changed her because she spit up and I didn't turn the lights on. So I changed her in the dark. I didn't really, you know, remember what I changed her into. And she ends up looking through all the baby clothes to see what was missing. And she realizes that it's a green onesie with 
something on the front of it. I can't remember. But that's a really weird thing to forget. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's more to that story as well. Well, she did take quite a while when she went to go check on her at 1130. She had taken like half an hour. She was, I think, feeding her, but she had also been crying. Yeah. Cynthia, the neighbor, said that when she came back from checking on Cora that time, her face was red and looked like she had been crying. And Anne's excuse for that was that she, you know, had been seeing Marco and Cynthia kind of be all over each other all night. And she was crying because she felt like they were, you know, having an affair maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think there's definitely more to that. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. I almost wonder if she's not taking her, um, the pills for the the postpartum depression. Oh, yes. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Part of the story is that Anne suffers from postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that maybe has something to do with it, but I don't think so. I think they're just throwing that extra layer in there, but who knows? I mean, this really could go many different directions, I feel like. Well, I also researched something else um, that uh, Detective Roshbach had um, noticed when they went to go interview Mrs. Bleeker. Did we talk about the girls being bullying her? Mm-hmm, a little bit. We touched on it a, a, little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Um, they had basically given the address of um, before they had um, went to go talk to one of the girls. Uh, the school had given... Detective Rushbach, the address of Anne's English teacher, um, Mrs. Bleeker. And when he first walks in, he notices that she has a um, book on her table or something called Barchester Towers. I didn't know what that was, so I looked that up as well. Um, I'm sorry if I'm wrong again. Because there was quite a few different things while looking it up. It was hard to get, like, an actual description of what the book was about. Um, But as far as I can tell, it is the second out of uh, six chronicles of this series called uh, Barsetshire. And basically, it's about a man named Harding and his daughter, Eleanor, and a few other characters. And the sensual questions... Uh, for that book that she had was who will be warden, who will be dean, who will marry Eleanor. Um, it also pointed out that it is a skillfully handled. It is skillfully handled the questions with uh, subtle ironic observations. It's a about love, mammum. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, clerical infighting and promotion in a cathedral city called Barchester. I also had a look up Mammon because I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I'm so confused. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think this has to do with the book or just some fun extra side knowledge? I think, I don't know for sure. I think that... Because you're going to have to interpret that for us because <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> oh, Mammon. I wrote down how to say it. It's Mammon. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think honestly... The thing that kind of jumped out to me is that it was uh, skillfully handled with subtle, ironic observations. So I think that this author is putting in 
really subtle observations that the readers have to pick up. And we kind of see that already with Marco and the subtle observations that she was hinting at, that it was him this entire time. Yeah. But I think they're doing the same thing with Anne, and we'll we'll pick it up as we read the book. Hmm. So based off of that, what is do you have any theories on Anne? I I don't know yet. I definitely think that they brought up the um the fact that she blacked out and didn't remember it for a reason. So when she was getting bullied and she ended up beating up that girl, she, the girl mentions that she turned and was like blank, basically, like she wasn't there and blacked out basically because Anne's like, whoa, what happened? So, yeah. Yeah. She didn't remember the entire thing. So I thought that was really interesting. I think that's definitely going to play a part in what's either going to happen or what is happening now. Hmm. That'll be interesting. I'm excited to read the the next half. I have to say the writing style of this book kind of, I had to kind of get used to it. Wasn't, you know, we've read a few books already that is from, you know, you're hearing the dialogue from one person's point of view, basically. Mm -hmm. And with this book, you're hearing, you know, Marco said this or Marco thought that or, you know, it's, yeah, it's more third person than first person. And I like first person a lot. So, you know, transitioning to more of this third person style, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but you know, it's, it's an interesting storyline for sure. It makes it harder to figure out what's actually happening because they can say that he feels a certain way, but you can't actually know what's going on in their mind. I feel like they do that with first person too, though. You know, they kind of lead us astray and then at the end they're like bam here's the here's the twist that's true so i don't know yeah it'll be interesting yeah let's uh let's get to reading guys is <laughs> like can we end this now i need to start reading <laughs> re do you have anything else for us you did some great research you did yeah way better than me kind <laughs> of i had a tougher time with this one i feel like it was less I feel like they gave us a lot, so a less to like kind of speculate about, but we do, I mean, there's a whole other half of the books, obviously there's some more twists to come. Yeah. This book is very fast paced. Like there's not very many like dull moments. It's always just keeps going and you know, you get more and more information every almost paragraph (laughs) really. So it's funny because, you know, we came from something in the water where it had a lot of detail. <laughs> now we're doing this book where, you know, it's you're getting it very rapidly. Mm-hmm. We just need a happy medium. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. We have lots of books. Yes. Well, I don't know if you hear the moaning in the background, but that's <laughs> my daughter, Ashlyn. <laughs> She's very unhappy right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, I'm excited to talk about the next half with you guys, see how our theories pan out. I hope that baby Cora is safe and sound back in Anne's arms. Maybe not so much Marco. We can't trust Marco. Or uh, neither of their arms. Yeah, maybe, like, uh, maybe she gets some new parents. Maybe like, Detective Rossbach adopts <laughs> Cora. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Let's hope it's not the weird couple next door. No, that'd be so bad. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we will be back next week with the second half of uh, The Couple Next Door. And if you have any theories, please definitely write them into us. We would love to talk them out on the podcast. Uh, If you have any questions you want us to discuss, especially, you know, surrounding the morality of this, like, would you leave your baby next door while you're at a party? If you had a baby monitor, I wouldn't. I don't know. What do you? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. I was just, that was like the first thing I was thinking is how much anxiety that I would just have the whole time. And I don't even know how Anne had, even got convinced of that. Yeah. I would have been like, sorry, Devin. No, nope. yeah. I'm staying home with I've the baby. Like, hey, you go ahead. I'm, yeah. I was like, how could you have not bought in another one by now or bought another one by now? Sorry, I say words incorrectly sometimes. Yes, before we end this, you know, conversation, that was one more thing that I thought was suspicious is Anne is the one that broke the baby monitor. Mm. Does that have something to do with it? Like, good, yeah. Did she want something not to be seen? Hmm. Which I still think might have something to do with the fact that the couple next door has a hidden camera. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. We need to start reading. So we're going to end here. And like I said, we'll be back next week to finish off the second half of this. And we would love to hear from you. So please um, follow us on our socials. We would love to hear from you there. You can also get our book announcements there. So if you're reading along with us, we are posting, you know, what we're going to be discussing on the podcast so that you can read and send us in your theories that we can discuss. Until next time. Bye. 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 for listening to books between sisters if you are a book lover and enjoyed our discussion we'd love to hear more from you please feel free to follow us on twitter or instagram or both at bbs underscore pod you can also send us book suggestions or questions at books between sisters pod at gmail.com or if you'd like you can find us on ko-fi.com forward slash bbs podcast if you want us to buy us any coffee, books, or just donations of any kind.